taken and the things that we would allow to come into our life, uh, whether it's visual or something we hear or, or things of that nature, we need to be careful about those things so that we won't become a, a city without walls, broken down uh, and, and ruined uh, in our life. So we need to rule our own spirit. We need to be careful of our own spirits and, and make sure that we have rule over ourselves. And there's, um, there's, a, there's a deal of, of self-control involved as, as, and spirit control. And, and as you think about that, I, I want you to understand that there is an amount of self-control involved, but we also need God's help. You can't do it yourself. Um, there are some, I remember a long time ago talking with somebody, and, and, and the person was a very moral person but they were not saved. And, uh, and so there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of self-discipline that people can have and become a very moral person. But listen, uh, the Bible says very clearly that our heart is wicked. It's desperately wicked, and who can know it? And so we obviously need God's help to have the complete rule and reign over our own spirit, but we ought to have a little bit of self-discipline as well. And so uh, ruling our own spirit is one of the first thing. Look with me at verse number 24. Proverbs 25, 24, the Bible says, It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house. Now you're probably thinking, what on earth does this have to do with our character? And, uh, and I do, I scratched my head and said, man, I've got to put this verse in here somewhere. I haven't covered it yet. And so, uh, and I put in here, restraint in spirit. You'll remember in Proverbs, you may remember, in Proverbs 21, verse number 9, the, this verse has almost the exact same wording as this verse. Uh, but as I started looking at it and thinking about it, I won't spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention a few things. One uh, is um, brawling means quarreling or arg argumentative. So we understand that. And, uh, and that would be a contentious person. A contentious person. And as we think about contention or we think about argumentative or quarreling, uh, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And we think about self-ruling and we think about restraining our, our spirit. Uh, listen, we can have very prideful hearts and become very contentious about being right. Uh, most arguments, and I've said this before, uh, most arguments boil down to pride and arrogance. Well, I mean, even though I know I'm wrong, I'm going to continue to argue my side because, bless God, I ain't backing down now. I mean, it's kind of the, the idea many times in an argument that, hey, I'm going I'm to win this thing because I've, I've done invested all my time here and I'm going to stand my ground. And that's kind of how we are uh, and to an extent, but uh, that could be very contentious. And, uh, and that, that comes out of a, an idea of pride. And pride and arrogance can be a very, well, the Bible says it's sin, actually. And it classifies it as sin. And we need to be careful uh, as it leads to very contentious and, and brawling situations. And I want you to know in verse 24, even though the Bible says it, it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house, I want you to understand and realize this, that it's not just women that are contentious. 
It can go either way. Matter of fact, there are verses that talk about contentious men as well. And so we need to be careful of having that contentious spirit as we're thinking about restraining and self-control. Uh, I, I was thinking about this. The Bible says here in this verse that, uh, that having that brawling attitude or that contentious or quarrelsome spirit drives people away from you. I mean, who wants to be around an argumentative person, really? In all reality, I mean, we, that's not the kind of people we enjoy hanging around. But if you are, uh, I want you to think about this in this verse. If you are a contentious person and you don't have rule over your own spirit and that pride does get the best of you and you do become a brawler or, or a, a contentious or a argumentative person, that, listen, uh, it will divide even to the strongest of commitments. It's talking about a couple. It's talking about a man and a woman. And, and it does not say they're married. We'll make the assumption, since they're living in the same house, that they are married. And that's a commitment. That's a, that's a draw that, that says, hey, we love each other. And, and listen, even with contention, it can be so strong that it can divide one of the strongest bonds here on earth, and that would be the, the, obviously the marriage bond and being uh, in love with somebody else. And it can separate even those people. And so we need to have restraint over our spirit. And that's one of the, the things that we need to be careful of uh, as we think about self-control. We don't want to be as a, a person with no rule over our spirit. And so we need to restrain uh, from being contentious and being quarrelsome and being argumentative. Look with me at verse 26. The Bible says, a righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. Not only do we have a ruling your own spirit and restraint in your own spirit uh, from contention, but I want you to notice a ruined testimony. This verse is really actually sad. The Bible says here in verse 26, a righteous man falling down before the wicked. Now I want you to understand this, uh, that falling down is not merely a mistake. Uh, it's not, we understand, uh, as I started out the message, none of us are perfect. We get that, we understand that. Uh, but, but what this is, is, is a righteous man would be somebody with a good testimony. Hey, somebody who is doing right, somebody that's living a right life. But the falling down is, is a flat uh, it's not just a mistake, it's not just something, it's, a, it's an error uh, that is sinful and, and causes a serious problem. And the Bible says here, a righteous man falling down before the wicked. In other words, those who, uh, the wicked are witnessing the fall of this righteous man. Maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, aired publicly, maybe it was uh, there was a big to-do made over it. One way or the other, uh, we can understand that the wicked see it, but it's not. It's more than they just notice it. It's publicized to them, and it becomes a problem uh, that that hey, everyone uh, points to it, and they say here in verse number twenty-six, the second part is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. Now, I've had well water most of my life, and even in Peru and, um, and, and other, other places, 
And, and so in the Bible, when it talks about a corrupt spring or a, a broken down fountain, or a troubled fountain rather, and a corrupt spring, would be something that you cannot drink water out of. As the Bible compares in James, uh, a, a good fountain, uh, or the tongue is like a fountain and it can't bring forth sweet water and salt water. Uh, when you have a fountain or when you have a well, that well is usually going to produce good water or it's going to produce bad water. That's, that's one or the other. That's just the way it is. And, and so when you go to that well and when you dig a well, you get good water, man, and you're like, man, I'm glad I've got good water. And I've got a good water source and that well will continue to produce good water and, it will, and, and maybe after a long time it might dry up and you might get, end up getting bad water at the end, but... Uh, uh, but it's going to be good water while it's producing water. But when a righteous man falls or sins, and, and it's a big public to do before the wicked, and the Bible says, is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. One of the things in the Bible times is they would dig a well and then uh, maybe somebody would go and, and they would either fill it in or they would, they would corrupt that well. Uh, you ever heard of, you know, you go and open up the well and you look down in there and there's a dead animal down there. And you're not drinking from that well. Go dig a new one. I mean, it's corrupted. Uh, the water in it has been ruined and you're not going to get good water out of there. It's, it's a problem for, the, for, for, for a long time. And, and as we think about that, listen, a ruined testimony... Uh, can you get forgiveness? Well, yeah, you can get forgiveness. Can you apologize? Yes, you can apologize, and you can get forgiveness. But there's something about the trust value that takes a long time to restore that. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be something that will come quickly. It's not something that, that, that is automatic. And, and people don't realize that and understand that, but it's so important to maintain a good testimony because... Uh, falling down or, or sinning is as a corrupt spring. And, uh, and it can really mess your life up. And, and we think about that and this idea of, of restraint. We need to be careful in our life. We need to restrain and help self-control. There's many a testimonies uh, that have been ruined. You know, I mean, David messed up his life. That was a big public testimony when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, and, and it was a big problem, uh, and it was a sin that, was, uh, that caused a huge problem for, in the life of David, and we need to be careful that our testimony is not ruined. There's many, uh, it seems like in, I don't know, in the last couple years at least, or, or maybe a year or so ago, at least it seemed really big. I mean, there were on the news, on the, on the news on TV, were all these scandals of this pastor and that pastor and this person and that person. And it was like they were trying to completely mar the name of, of Baptist, not just Baptist, I mean many different Christian religions that they were attacking. And they are like, man, let's, let's, let's air all the dirty laundry of everything that's ever taken place so that we can, uh, so that we can ruin their fountain. And so that people have a distrust, and, by, and a lot of times people do have a distrust. I mean, in 2021, uh, people are very distrustful, uh, not just of church in general, of one another. I mean, we live in a society where, where there's, there's no testimony and no trust anybody has for anyone because uh, of, a lot of it is 
legitimate mistakes that have been made. They're, they're wrong. I'm not going to say they're right. Uh, but, but it has ruined a lot of testimony. And so we personally need to be careful that we maintain a good testimony. We're talking about ruling our spirit, restraining our spirit, and make sure we don't have a ruined testimony. Look with me in verse 25 or 23. These are not in order at all, but verse 23, the Bible says, The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. I read that a few times, and, uh, and it took me a little bit to get it. What does backbiting mean? Backbiting simply means the act of slandering the absent. Uh, or we'll simply call that gossip. Uh, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about backbiting and slander and gossip in general, and, and it's, it's a sin, uh, and some people uh, just won't stop. And you know what? You can talk to some people until you're blue in the face, and it's not going to change anything because they're not sensitive to the Lord, and they're not sensitive to the things of God. So this verse gives us a key on how you can stop gossiping and how you can stop slandering and how you can stop backbiting not for those uh not for for if you are the person doing the backbiting but if you're the person that uh, this guy's always talking about somebody else let's look at this verse one more time look at what it says the north wind driveth away rain so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue in other words if the, if, the, um, if the wind comes out of the north, then it would change the weather pattern. And, uh, and maybe you're having rain right now, and maybe you'd have a north wind, and it would blow, and it would change, and it would push all that wind further south. And so what he's saying is he's comparing that to uh, the idea of this angry countenance. Let's look at it again, verse 23. It says, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. And I thought, well, man, what does that mean? You've got to get angry with somebody and you've got to give them what for. And, and as I read it again and a few times, uh, an angry countenance, you know what it is? It's simply uh, the look of disapproval. I, I've probably told this joke, but I just can't help it. It, it fits in here so well. And um, so just laugh when I get to the punchline and you'll make me feel better. But uh, this fellow was out in the woods. I'm sorry, ladies, but this is just the truth. This, this fellow was sitting out in the woods, and he was squirrel hunting. And, uh, and this other fellow come walking around, and he saw the guy sitting there on the log, and he said, what are you doing out here? He said, I'm squirrel hunting. He looked him over, and he said, you don't, you don't have any gun. He said, man, I don't need a gun. He said, what? He said, I'm not kidding you. He said, he said yeah, he said, I, when, a, when a squirrel comes out on the branch, he said, man, I just give that thing a dirty glare, and man, it falls over dead. He said, you are kidding me. He said, no, sir. He said, sit down and watch. He said, all right. So he sat down there, and pretty soon he said, a, a squirrel come out on that branch, and, and sure enough, that guy shot him an evil glare, and man, that squirrel fell down dead off that branch. He said, man, that is incredible. He said, yes, sir. He said, I used to bring my wife, but she tore him up too bad. A, a look of disapproval. So girls are better at giving those looks. I don't know why, it's, but it's true. You girls got that down. I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, moving along, 
that's the idea here in this, in this verse. So doth an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. A habitual gossip must be stopped by the hearer. Most people are just simply too kind. We don't, we don't want to ruffle any feathers and we don't want to cause any waves and we don't want to uh, interrupt any kind of friendship. So we just kind of smile and nod and sit there and they're filling our ear with gossip. The Bible would say, hey, an angry countenance. In other words, I can't give you my angry eye. You know, that eye that your dad gives you when you did something wrong. And he's looking at you. And you say, whoa, I know I just crossed the line. I just did something wrong. And the Bible is saying that, hey, when people start to gossip to you as a hearer, you need to shut it down. And you can give those people a disapproving look and something that says, I'm not enjoying this. I don't want to continue this discussion. Hasn't the weather been nice today? And change the subject. Because honestly, there's just too much approval or, or acceptance sometimes of sin. And, and listen, that's the whole idea today. Everyone wants us to accept all of their sin. And they, it's not okay just to accept the sin. They want us to stamp our stamp of approval on it and say, we agree with you, and we do not. The Bible is very clear. And we have to be careful. There's balance in, in this idea that uh, I was talking with somebody a while ago and, and, and um, this whole idea of the Equality Act that's coming out. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard about it in the news media. It's not equality at all. Uh, the idea is that uh, that you have to accept uh, transgender people for who they are and allow them to use whatever. It's, it's more than just saying, well, you do whatever you want. It is you have to agree with them and allow everything to be the same. And, and listen, there's, we would oppose that because the Bible is very clear. God made male and female. It's very clear in the Word of God. Now, does that mean we go out and we, uh, we, we look for those people and, and we, we tear them all down and destroy them? No. We, we, we hate the sin, but we love the sinner. And what, what most religions want to do is, well, we, we love the sinner, and so, well, well, we'll accept the sin as well. They don't know to draw that line, and that's what... Paul was dealing with in the book of Corinthians when he said, uh, listen, there's sin named among you that it's so bad even the world is looking at it and saying, how can that be right? And, and, and he was saying, listen, you, you have to draw a line. You can't accept sin. And, and that's kind of the idea here is that, listen, by simply listening in gossip, you're participating. You're allowing it to go on. And to shut it down, you need to say, you need to give a look of disapproval. Hey, you may even have to voice your opinion and say, you know what, I, we're not going to talk about people. Um, let's talk about something else and change the subject and make a definite stance. But there's the idea here that, hey, even a strong disapproving look oftentimes will shut that down. So we need to understand, uh, reject backbiting. So we have ruling your own spirit. We have restraining in spirit. We have ruined testimony. We have reject backbiting as we think about being self-disciplined and not allowing things in our city and not allowing things within our life that will ruin our life. Look with me at verses 21 and 22. These are the last two verses 
uh, that we'll look at. The Bible says here in verses 21 and 22, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. Now we're talking about restraint, we're talking about self-control, we're talking about ruling our own spirit. And, and listen, there's, uh, there's just something in us that says, man, when, when, when a guy has crossed the line and when he's become our enemy, man, we, we do not wish well on them. And, and that's natural. Our flesh does not desire that. But I want you to see a, an Old Testament principle that goes all the way to the New Testament. Jesus himself said, uh, love your enemies, and, 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 uh, and he goes on about that. But he says here in verse 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. We're talking about basic human needs. I've said it before that uh, we ought not hate or um, everyone has enemies that, that dislike you, but we should not, not hate. That's not the word I was looking for. We ought not be joyous at the suffering of our enemies. Um, we should hope and pray that God would change their heart. And listen, sometimes that's not easy when you disagree with somebody so strongly uh, it's not always easy to say, man, I hope God changes their heart. Um, sometimes you're thinking, man, I hope God stops their heart. Uh, but, but you ought to be thinking, hey, I hope God changes their heart. And, and it's not easy, but, but it's certainly a principle that's given in the Old Testament that we would have enough rule over our own spirit, enough self-control, enough self-discipline, that, hey, even if our enemy had one of the most basic needs of food and water, that we would give them, hey, we don't have to lavish them with a steak meal. That's not what it's saying. He's saying just basic needs, that you would give them bread and that you'd give them water, that you would, that you would actually help out your enemy. Listen, that's going to end one of two ways. It could be that they will realize how dead wrong they were and they could turn around. And that, that's not out of impossibility. That can happen. Um, and, and they could turn around. The second thing is they will get so far away from you because they will realize how far wrong they are. And the Bible says that it will heap coals of fire upon their head. In other words, they will, they, they, they will know how wrong they are, and they will feel so bad about it. But then I love that last phrase. The Bible says, the Lord shall reward thee you can take your reward by getting your revenge if you want or you can just be rewarded by the Lord for doing what's right it's not easy I'm not saying it is it's not enjoyable I'm not saying it is I am saying it is a scriptural uh, um, principle in the word of God that you would uh, that you would be able to help your enemy in a time of his need and not rejoice in his suffering and uh, is it easy no it's that's that's hard living but it's Bible truth and uh, Jesus said the same thing in the New Testament he said love your enemies pray for those who despitefully use you uh, and, and he goes on and on and so it's not easy it's not enjoyable it's not fun but it is a Bible principle and we're talking about having self-control it requires self-control it requires spirit control and asking God hey God help me 
to, to be this way towards my enemies. And, uh, and so we need to understand that that is a Bible truth and a Bible principle uh, that is in the Word of God. So I hope those few things help us as we think about having rule over our own spirit so that we won't be as a city broken down without walls and, uh, and we can maintain a good testimony before a lost and dying world. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed,